Mark. Hello. Are you doing this? Oh, God, hang on. Magic Mark. What Hello. Are doing? Oh, God, stop. <laughs> Magic Mark. Hello. What? <laughs> Fucking hell, don't say hello. Why? Because I'm doing the intro. Right, then pause so you know I'm going to say hello. Pause, and then you're good, aren't you? Okay. Magic Mark. Hello. It's dark. It's gloomy. It's filled with terror. Don't even think about going down there. So why can't people stay out of the cellar? I love to be frightened. If you love to be frightened, then this cellar is the place to be. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whatever it is, wherever you are. My name is Malachi J. Matthews. This is Super Tap Film Club, and I am joined by Magic Mark. How's it going, Magic Mark? Hello, I'm all right. Lockdown life, yo. But other than that, it's all good, yeah? Yeah, nice. It's not, well, done just started, like I said, but it's, uh, it's not as bad as it was before, because you kind of know what to expect, but, you know... Sit in and listen to some podcasts if you're bored. Have a look to our, our back catalogue. There's loads. We've been doing it for, like, over a year now. Do you know, I thought we'd been doing this longer than that. No, it feels like it. Sometimes. I think it's because <laughs> we're weekly and all the other ones I do are, like, at least fortnightly. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this the other day when I was writing for this episode. It takes me a day to write an episode because I can't just whip through the film sort of thing. So I just wondered how many days I've spent writing in the past year. It's a lot of writing. That is a lot of writing. Stacks of piles of paper all over the place. It drives Fletcher mad. He wants me to burn all of the scripts. (laughs) Why? He hates clutter. And he hates the fact that I've got every script to every episode in a folder. A big, massive folder in the uh, the dude office. (laughs) uh, Tell you what you should do is you should, like, auction them off for charity. Auction them off for charity. Um, I don't know whether people would actually be able to su- decipher my code that is my writing. But, uh, maybe, mm. maybe. It wouldn't make sense. Well, fair enough. I mean, I only make like a couple of pages of notes per episode. Basically, it's what I liked with a love heart drawn next to it is my notes. But I've, I've now got like loads of these notebooks full of shit for various podcasts. And I don't want to throw them away either, so I totally get your thing. <laughs> One day I might find the box when I'm, like, I'm doing the decorating. I'm an old man. I find them and I flick through them and go, oh, remember when we were talking about, I don't know. Hands Miami. of Steel. Hands of Steel in Miami Connection. Good, good, <laughs> times. good times. But anyway, Mark. Hello. What did we do this week on Super Tap Film Club? It was my choice. I messaged you and I asked, I said, can we do this? I know you'll never let me do Voodoo Academy, but can we do Cellar Dweller? And you're like, yeah, right. And um, I'm dead pleased. (laughs) So, yeah, we are doing Cellar Dweller. And we're going back to the year, the year that just keeps on giving, mate. 1988 or 1988, more like. It is from the year, the year of tat. Yeah. 
Did you did you seen this one before you picked it? Is this a favourite of yours, Mark? Yeah, it is. This is another one with a little bit of a story of my youth. I didn't watch Four. it in 1988, but I watched it around probably around the year 2000, I think. And I was living in like a shared house with my friends Hugh and Nick and Paul and Rob and Alex. I've mentioned Alex before. And um, Nick had an, he bought an old rental copy of Cellar Dweller. So it was in one of the giant boxes, you know, the big boxes they had for the rental copy. So you could tell the difference so you didn't nick them. Yeah, a clam case. Yeah, so it was in one of them because he'd bought it off the uh, video store. And we were living in the shared house. And we all loved Tap. And we just watched this film so much. And we just, just, you know, get some beers in, watch the stupid fucking film. And um, good times. And um, shout out to all of my uni mates who, you know, we're on Facebook and we chat. But I haven't really seen them as much as perhaps I would like to over the last few years. Well... That's something to look forward to when we can all go outside, Mark. In it, and I think of like happy memories like this. I've been thinking about the, that kind of thing a little bit more while I can't see anyone. Realising that I've been a bit complacent with people who matter to me, and you know, chat to folk even if it is online. It's nice to, you know, it's nice to chat. Yes, it is, Mark. It's always nice to stay in touch with people, especially at the moment. I've had some messages. I had some messages this week from some some wrestling mates I haven't seen for a while, which is lovely. Which was lovely. I heard from uh, little Will Cruz there. Oh, I like Will. He's a good bloke. He's a good lad, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's nice to hear from your mates out of the blue. Surprise them. Drop them a text or something. First anyway, Sarah Dweller, 1988, Mark. Mate, I love this film. Do you know who wrote this film, Mark? I actually do. It's the bloke who wrote Child's Play. It is, yeah. It's Don Mancini, under the name of Kit Dubots. I mean, good. <laughs> yeah, Don Mancini. This was the first film that he wrote, I, um, I think, before he went on and did all of the Child's Play films. It's an interesting film. It's got a lot of interesting ideas, and honestly... I'm surprised it didn't do better than it did. Well, I am really. I, I, this is one that I remember. I, th- I, I saw it when I was a kid, but I remember seeing the cover loads with the uh, the Hell Beast on the front. That's, that's all I really remember. But yeah, it's not one that's up there with like Reanimator or anything like that, is it? As far as I'm concerned. No. It'll probably be on a hipster Blu-ray soon, I would have thought. I think it's already on a hipster Blu-ray. Mm, good. I might get that then. This one is available on YouTube. Uh, I watched it on a, uh, a YouTube channel that teaches you to speak English with uh, movies. And this was on there. Really? Yeah, that's why there's a copy that we watched had subtitles, Mark. It was a learn to speak English whilst watching Cellar Dweller video. I mean, it is wholesome content. It's very wholesome content, yeah. It's got one of the monsters in it, mate. Has it? We'll get to that. Jeffrey Coombs is back. He is, and he's doing his hammy acting again. Fucking amazing! It starts full moon, a wolf baying at that moon. Night wolf, night wolf, night wolf. Jeffrey Coombs is inking panels to a comic book and listening to do what music to indicate that it is in the past. You know, fifties, that sort of thing. Evil Dead steady cam shot from outside. 
into the house. Something is in the house, Mark, and it's going for a big shiny axe. Meanwhile, Jeff is downstairs inking an axe on the comic. It's like everything that he's drawing, Mark, is coming to pass. Now he's drawing a big, huge hell beast with the mark of Satan. Oh, a pentagram. Oh, no. Oh, no. A pentagram. Don't do that. No pentagrams. Pentagrams bad, I'm going. Yeah. So he draws a pentagram. <laughs> Did you just deadpan my, my pentagrams are bad speech? <laughs> you suck. The huge hell beast that he's drawn is attacking a lady in this comic. He's using a giant leather-bound book with a pentagram on the front for reference. Clearly never seen a horror film. Don't fiddle around with leather-bound books. It's, it'll do you no good. It's not wise. No. And then he reads this out, Mark. He says, Woe unto you who gives the beast form. To contemplate evil is to ask evil home. Don't read things like that out of a fucking book. It's not wise. He is in general... For cameo, not wise guy. No, no. He goes back to inking the beast and then he hears growling in the dark, Mark. The comic has come to life. The giant beast is there already, like three minutes into the film. Also, three minutes 38, first boobs. You see, I thought that too. I thought it was very early monster and very early tits. However, early tits is not the record. I don't think we're ever going to beat the record of tits. That's body melt. That's it is. That was go tits. Yeah, but the um, I want to pause here to just. I'm going to probably gush over it for the next hour. But how fucking great is the artwork? Oh, it's amazing. It's really, really good. Um, it is good, and I've got. Some, it's I've got gorgeous. Some yeah, it is quality, quality work. I do like it though. Actually, when it starts kicking off, there's uh, one of the panels they've cl- clearly rushed. <laughs> do they credit who the artist is? I, I should have looked really, but do they credit the artist anywhere in the the the, the end credits or anything like that? Because we've talked about who the writer is, we've talked about who the actors are, but I tell you what, the artwork in this is fucking brilliant. Yeah, I'm not sure, mate. I didn't check it out. But if anybody knows in the Tattyverse, send us send us a message. Send us an electronic mail. Uh, yeah, if you do. Yeah. So this is when, like, uh, Reanimator is doing his best fucking hammy, hammer horror style acting. It's it's amazing. When, he, when he's running around the house doing all his no acting, it's brilliant. He grabs the <laughs> He grabs the axe and then he slowly opens the door into the dark cellar, goes downstairs. The girl, brown bread mark, dead as a doornail. The beast appears, knocking the spellbook into a treasure chest. Good aim. (laughs) The monster looks fucking brilliant as well. They do a good job with the monster. I love a good puppet. I love a good puppet. Yeah, Um, I do too. I think he's, um, he's strangely lovable, but we'll come back to that in a bit. Yeah, he has got a bit of a cute face. At points, he reminded me a little bit of uh, Ludo from The Labyrinth. Shit, now you've said that. I watched Labyrinth the other day and it was fucking ace. But it's always fucking ace because it's always the same film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Mark, you know what all beasts fear, don't you? Fire. Fire. 
Da, 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 da. Ah, yeah. Da, da, da. Sorry, we're in my own little world. Yeah, beasts fear fire. That is science. That is Satanic Beast 101. They all fear fire. So, Reanimator's like, right, I'm going to burn the comic. I'm going to burn the pages of the Cellar Dweller comic that I, that I make. And the beast bursts into flames and melts. And then the whole place catches fire. The pages burn. Fire! And then Reanimator does some top-notch dying acting, mate, doesn't he? He goes, no! To be fair, you don't know how you'd react if you were burning. Maybe that is perfect acting. Have you, have you ever been burnt to death? I have never been burnt to death, no. So there you go, you don't know, do you? I'm going to struggle if you criticise this film. Okay. <laughs> Comic book intro, where you get the, like, the... The, the uh, animation at the start for the film is really good and it? it goes through all of the comic pages that are out. It's, it's telling the story of the film. It's good stuff. It's gorgeous. It looks so stylish with it just like the, the bold, like prime colours behind it. it. It's good. I love that. It's easy on the eye. 80s horror films always put a lot of effort into the intros, the animated intros and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, you don't get that as much anymore, do you? No, but before we, but I want to quickly go back to the opening scene. Right, the whole premise is that everybody moves into this house after this tragedy and it becomes an art retreat. There yeah. was a lot of fucking flamey flame going on in that flamey flame. So how the fuck did the house not burn to the ground? Magic house, mate. It's a magic house. Okay, I'll buy that. Fair play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As Mark was saying, 30 years later, the house that where uh, Reanimator Man burnt to death and the, the Satan Beast killed a girl that he brought to life with pen. Yeah, well, that all happened. It looks really nice now. They painted it up all nice, haven't they, Mark? Flowers on the front. It looks okay. It looks a bit hippy-dippy, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. A taxi arrives at the house. It's a dark and stormy night, Mark. Lightning. It looks a little bit like the Munster's house, doesn't it, outside? <laughs> Sorry, I like I like the Munsters. Do you? And you didn't notice the Munster in this film? No, which one's a fucking Munster? Oh, God, mate, you're going to kick yourself. You're going to kick yourself when, when I tell you. I'm saving it, mate. It's like a nugget for me, the fact that you don't like it. Mm. I'm feeding off that. You don't know it. You don't know mm-hmm. it. A girl gets out of the taxi, Mark. Whitney Taylor. She's moving to this um, art institute. She's a cartoonist. She does cartoons. She's really into the cellar dweller. She she found it. You know, she was really into it when it, when she was a kid. It, it's based on the uh, the old tales from the crypt comic, basically, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But it's um, Throckmorton Institute for the Arts is what the place is called. She knocks on the door, Mark, but there's no answer, so she lets herself in, and there's art everywhere, all over the place. And she's like, is there anybody home? Is there anybody home? She's tapped on the shoulder to turn around to see Mrs. Briggs, the lady that runs the house, Mark. Now, do you know who this lady is? Is she the lady what played a monster? It is the lady what played a monster. This is Yvonne De Carlo. The original Lily Munster, mate. That's the mum. It's the hot mum. Oh, good grief. Look at a picture of her now. 
Fucking hell. Yeah. I'm crap at this, though. You always come out with a hot facts about different actors playing different things. I think I'm completely oblivious to what people look like. <laughs> You're just oblivious to what people look like, yeah. I wouldn't have spotted the um, Weekend at Bernie's thing, that, that Bernie was, was, was the weird scientist in Tammy and the T-Rex. Well, that's that's kind of my job as this uh, tat womble that I am, sifting through, <laughs> sifting through all this shit and trying to connect it in some way. It's it's all um, you know. There's a there's a method to it, mate. <laughs> you're, you're like a tat fisherman. You're in the river, but your fishing rod brings out the juicy, juicy fish. It does, but I don't keep them, Bab. I chuck them back in. Oh no, no, that would be cruel. Yeah, I chuck them back in, and then they pop back out in a couple of weeks. They do, they do. You you are quite a skilled fisherman in that tap river. Yeah, thanks mate, thanks. At least I'm doing something. <laughs> Mrs Briggs, by the way, is an absolute bitch of a woman. She's saying that comic book art isn't art. She's like, this is hoity-toity art here, mate. Not you're just drawing cartoon pictures. Whilst true, I don't agree with her opinion about comic book art. However, I do agree with her opinion about the girl, because in, when you're in a university lecture, you're not supposed to fucking heckle, even if you don't agree with what the lecturer is saying, and she heckled her. And also, let's not forget that according to what was the autopsy of the event, this woman is obsessed and idolising a fucking murderer. Yeah. So, yeah, the woman is a bit of a bitch. Yeah, her opinion on comic books is wrong. But I don't feel like that the vendetta is unjust here. Well, they got beef. They have got beef that goes back to back to the past, like Mark says. Whitney was heckling Lily Munster when she was a, when she was a lecturer at university, and that's not what you do. So that's why she's got beef. Yeah, like I say, I mean, I try not to hold grudges. And I, I'm successful about 90% of the time. But I can very much agree with Mrs. Munster that, you know, I wouldn't like this girl if it turned out that someone who'd heckled me and is obsessed with a murderer turned up in my house. I wouldn't be chuffed. Well, this is what she says, Whitney. She says, I want to create a whole new comic book in the style of Cellar Dweller. What better place to be inspired than the house that he lived in and worked in? Yeah, and, and, the, and the house he went bonkers in and burnt it down. Don't forget that. Quite. Quite. This place has no phones, no TV, no ties to the outside world, Mark. I tell you what, I'd fucking love that. If I was going there just to paint and or write just in a shed with one of the monsters, I'd be down yeah. with that. I'd love it for a week. I don't think I'd like it for much longer than that. I am a little bit of an all-mod-cons kind of queen. Mm, well... She's showing around the place, Mrs. Munster, showing around the place, and she says, oh, that is where your idol uh, concocted his final and most notorious work, the murder of an innocent girl. Don't even think of opening that door and going into that cellar, because that is strictly off limits, mate. Don't go in there. As soon as Mrs. Munster's gone, the door opens, swings open, and, and uh, Whitney goes downstairs, and there's a zombie version of a reanimator down there attacking a woman. It's like an art attack, Mark, down there. Lol. 
What's Neil Buchanan doing these days? He's playing guitar in a, a glam rock metal band. I approve wholeheartedly of Neil Buchanan's life choices. Yeah, he was, he's in one of those, but they were a bit, not, not really glam, but they were playing in Germany a lot. They reminded me a little bit of Anvil, do you know what I mean? Good times. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this it's all just a dream, the zombie art dream, that's what it is. It's all just in, a, in her very clever imagination, in her creativity, Mark. She is a very creative girl. Mrs. Munster leads Whitley into the kitchen and we meet Lisa. She's a performance artist and she's sitting at the table with Philip. Now, Philip paints abstracts and I think, ladies and gentlemen, I might have found the most punchable face ever recorded in a film with this man in the kitchen. <laughs> the fucking Steve Guttenberg is, oh God. He reminded me of, um, I can't, you know, like, you only remember, like, Jordan Knight from New Kids on the Block, but you'd remember the faces of the others. He was the ugly one from New Kids on the Block, so I looked him up, and it isn't the ugly one from New Kids on the Block. I was convinced that he was the ugly one from New Kids on the Block, but he wasn't. However, what I did discover about this actor is that he is now the president of Nickelodeon. In 2020, the weird guy with the strange leer that looks like the ugly bloke from New Kids on the Block, he's actually a producer, and his career has obviously progressed since 1988. And he's got to the point where he is the president of Nickelodeon. Well, I I take it, he's done well. He's done well. Did you enjoy that hot fact, Malachi? Hot facts. Well done, Mark. You know, like you do, I got into a Wikipedia fucking um, rabbit hole and I just carried on and carried on. It turns out, yeah, that this guy isn't from New Kids, but he is the president of Nickelodeon. Well, there you go. Maybe after this film came out, people saw him and went, do you know what, mate? Your face is horrible. You'd be better off as a producer. (laughs) Harsh. But he's so creepy, mate. We'll get into it. He's just really creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Did you notice that Whitney has a reanimator poster up in her room, Mark? I did, and it earned a love heart because I like meta shit. (laughs) Philip shows her one of his paintings. His art is supposed to represent angst, but it looks like a cow. (laughs) His art really is wretched. I, I assume it's supposed to be. Yeah, they haven't really tried, have they? You've, they've literally, like, they've done all the other art stuff. It's just like, oh shit, we forgot to do the art for Philip and somebody's just knocked it out in an afternoon. It looks like a kid's done it with their fingers. Yeah, it does, yeah. But this is the first thing, when he introduces himself to Whitney in her studio, he says that he's enchanted. And then he says, Aren't you a little bit old for comics? Now, Mark, was this film made by somebody who hates comics? I don't know. I think if it had been made by someone who hates comics, the artwork would have been poor. Whereas, you know, this guy whose artwork is awful is criticising comic book art. I, I actually feel like this is written by someone who hates people who are condescending about comics, actually. Good point, Mark. Again, this is where Philip, Philip talks like a prick. He says, alas, my lady, and things like that. 
I bet this guy listens to Planet Rock and quaffs flagons of ale. <laughs> did you did you dislike this gentleman, Malachi? I don't think I've ever felt this angry about a character in a film on Super Tap Film Club. Really? I don't think I have. Not even when we watched Cheerleader Camp. Oh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> did you try and block that one out of your memory? Yeah, that was gone. Yeah. <laughs> I genuinely think that's the worst film we watched for this club is fucking Cheerleader Camp. Yeah, it was uh, problematic. <laughs> oh, it was awful. Yeah. So the next scene we've got is the critique meeting where Philip's showing his rubbish paintings and everyone's having a look at them. A guy with a moustache runs in with a gun, grabs Lisa and takes a hostage and says, give me the paintings, give me the paintings. And everyone's like, who's this guy? And it turns out he's a writer who's an ex-private detective. And he lives there as well, writing spy novels. It was an interesting idea that just didn't land. <laughs> Let's be honest. Now, Whitney has got beef with Amanda, who does video art. They went to college together years ago, and they, they hate each other. She says, you're still drawing your funnies. They, got, they just sass each other off hard because they hate each other. Man. Mate, the, the, the sass in this scene earned a well, well-deserved love art. I do love some sass. It gets sassier though, Mark, doesn't it? Because she leaves the room. Amanda turns around to uh, Lily Munster and she says, what's she doing here? What's, what's she doing here? She's on the board. The board fell in love with her. The, they wanted her to come here to do her comics. And I don't like it because she used to shout at me when I was at uni. We'll have to do something about that. Oof, pair of bad lads they are. Again, I'm not sure it's that clear cut. Yeah, okay. Amanda was a jealous bitch but it doesn't alter the fact that it's got to be frustrating when you're the golden child and then someone comes in and usurps you we've already discussed about mrs briggs however they do take it a little bit too far and perhaps they need to let it go yeah yeah they do yeah whitney goes back to the drawing board and she starts drawing a picture of amanda being a twat (laughs) it's not subtle is it no no and it's quite the storm outside, Mark. It's, it's constantly flashing all the way through this film with Hammer Horror style, Monsters style, thunder and lightning effects. It's amazing. And also, did you notice, every time you're in the cellar, you can just hear birdsong really loud. No. wonder what the no, significance right. of that is. I have no idea. Whitney hears screams in the distance and she gets up from having a nightmare. She has a nightmare, which is a flashback at the start of the film, Mark. But she hears screams, and she gets up, and she goes outside, and she finds Lisa, the performance art, doing primal screaming. And she says, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to wake you up. But like, she's dead seriously, nice. she says, did I wake you? You were screaming at the top of your fucking voice in the middle of the fucking night. Did I wake you? What? Art people, Mark. It's art people. That's what they do. Maybe, that, maybe that's part of the thing, is the person who wrote this doesn't like art people at all, thinks they're all bellends. Yeah. Anyway, they get on like a house on fire, and they get drunk, and they go back into the house drunk, and Lisa says, don't worry about Amanda and Mrs Briggs. Your work should speak for itself. They're just, you know, a pair of jealous old people. And then they hear a growl behind the door. What's that? 
thinks it maybe it's the ghost of the reanimator guy from the start of the film. That's why it's off limits. He haunts the scene of his grisly crimes. But Whitney wants the scene. She she wants to open the door, Mark. Never were wise thing, is it, opening the door to the scare basement. No. She opens it and they go down the creepy, creaky stairs into the cellar and they turn the lights on. Boom! It's fucking creepy Philip. She's like, Philip, you little shit, what are you doing around here? And he says, following you. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Just creeping around in the dark. Ugh. It feels like because there was such a big deal of don't go in the cellar but it feels like it was too easy let's just go in it's the doors open la 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 and it was established that that was like seriously banned and scary and stuff and also where's the fucking fire damage i don't know they must have cleaned it up really good right but there's the original cellar dweller art on the wall how was that not damaged in the flabiest flame fire that basically cremated a gigantical monster and the fella it's maybe it was magic fire mark i think that's what it was it's was magic fire come on right okay whitney finds the uh, treasure chest with the book in it she opens it and it's full of like uh, reanimated guy's stuff she picks up the book dusts it off and it says curses of the ancient dead now don't open a book that says curses of the ancient dead the pages are stuck together with blood, Mark. Ugh. You see, I was wondering what they were going for with the pages are stuck together. I'm glad they clarified. Yeah. <laughs> she reads the same passage that Reanimator reads at the start of the film, and Philip shits himself. He's like, I'm, go- I'm, I'm out of here. He is a bit of a bellend, isn't he? He is a bellend. Whitney then goes to see uh, Mrs. Munster, Lady Munster, and asks if she can... Uh, Move into the cellar downstairs. She says, nobody's in there. Can I, can I use it? But first off, she tells her bollocks. She's like, no, you can't. She manages to talk around into it. She says, yeah, you can move into the cellar, but if you don't like it in there, tough, because you got to stay in there because I'm going to put somebody else in your room. So she says, thanks, that'll be fine. Then Amanda comes in and she's like, Amanda, I've got a little video project for you. I want you to go downstairs and sneakily film her in full view of her. <laughs> yeah. Whitney cleans up the cellar. And there's so so many cobwebs in this montage, Mark. So many cobwebs. <laughs> Quite a lot of cobwebs. Yeah. And then she moves in. Creepy Phil restores the uh, cellar dweller logo on the wall. That looks nice. Yeah, looks and that's weird because his other work is so fucking talentless. But then that's dead good. Yeah. Mate, he's just going over the lines, though, isn't he? He's just... Uh, somebody's already done all the hard work, mate. Hmm, true. Whitney is still flicking through the pages of this book, and she comes to a bit of the book that is about the beast, Mark. Now, I wasn't aware when we first saw this beast, but this beast is part werewolf, part vampire, part demon, and part ghost. I mean, that is a combination and a half, and it does feel a little <laughs> bit like... A five-year-old has wanted all the baddies in one place kind of vibe. Yeah. This, this is how he, he says, um, he, he'll tear your throat open and drink your blood and feast on your still warm brains. Now, she's going to put that in a book. She says, this is a really good idea for a monster. 
and she's gonna she's gonna create the ultimate monster. She's doing the same thing as Reanimated did at the start of the film. So what I like about this film is it was recorded in the absolute centre of the comic code's hold on the comic book industry. Do you know about the comic book code? I do know. I do know about the comic book code. Yes. But for people that don't, it was something in around 1954 where somebody decided that horror comics were corrupting our children and making them evil. And um, it got to the point where they gained so much power, despite it being non-compulsory, it was really, really aggressive and it essentially decimated horror comics. In 1988, there wouldn't have been very many horror comics in America at all, because previously it had got to the point where these comics are quite valuable from prior to the 50s, because not only obviously are they rare and they're old, a lot of them were fucking burnt, you know. Yeah. And horror comics weren't a thing, really, because distributors refused no. to accept comic books that didn't have the comic code. And if you did horror comics, you wouldn't get the comic code seal. And I, I feel like looking at this in 2020, we forget that how much of a statement against the comic book code this was because horror films were still going strong but horror comics had been utterly decimated by this fucking ludicrous mary white house fucking witch hunt thing and yeah yeah i i, I just love this film <laughs> yeah i mean that's i think these these are the sort of things that we don't notice in in american films it's the same thing with all the heavy metal horrors from the 80s as well that's down to the whole uh, satanic panic that was going on in America, which obviously we didn't have a clue that was even going on yeah. over, over here. Uh, so that's why there's so many, there's things like Trick or Treat and Shock em Dead and stuff like that. Uh, they're heavy metal films in the same respect, you know, bringing attention to the fact that it is ludicrous to yeah. outlaw music and comic books. But it wasn't till about two, the early thousands where the Comic Code Authority were kind of basically told to sling their hook when Marvel and Image and other larger companies just were like, well, we don't care that we've not got the comic book code. We're fucking Marvel. And you're yeah. going to tell us we're not going to get our books distributed? And, yeah, it was a rebellion mainly led by Marvel, but other comics did start to kind of like do it before them. And the comic book code is dead. And good riddance too bad rubbish yeah well she begins to draw the beast mark she copies the ancient rune text off the front and puts it in a speech bubble don't do that don't do that meanwhile evil sneaky amanda is hiding i say hiding she's just in the window she's filming it with a massive video camera just right in front of her <laughs> she really it really is massive but again we're looking at 1988 like it's 2020. That was probably quite cutting edge, that fucking camera. It probably was, yeah. But this was Mrs. Briggs's shady request. She, she wanted her to film. They're going to set her up as if she's plagiarising the original work of Cellar Dweller Mark. That's so here's gonna... the problem with this plot point. If you look at the art in the first scene and you look at the art in this scene, it is drawn by the same artist. 
So yeah. she actually is plagiarising the original reanimator guy because they haven't got a second artist in to do a slightly different art style for her art. So this whole plot point of trying to set her up, she is plagiarising, she is actively recreating his work. <laughs> I just find it fascinating that this plot of a, of a setup is completely undermined. And they, they could have got another artist in. But to be fair, I love the art style, so I can forgive it. Well, I noticed about, do you know what I noticed about this studio? Go on. It's really badly lit. You shouldn't be. <laughs> Good you point. You drawing in the dark like that. You're going you're gonna to hurt your eyes. You are absolutely right. You are. Yeah, I hadn't clocked it, but yes, you're right. Fuck's sake. It's almost as if they're trying to hide a giant puppet in the dark. <laughs> Did you hear the line that Whitney says to Amanda when she catches her downstairs, Mark? It was really fucking harsh. Remind me. She says, I don't know what you're up to, but if I catch you down here again, I'll hang you up by your eyelids and wrench out your fingernails one by one. <laughs> Shit, she did. I think that, that was that kind of a, an attempt to emphasise that because she's into horror, that she's a little bit desensitised to that sort of thing. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. But the private eye guy, he's upstairs and he's heard the whole conversation. He's like, ah, a clue. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda, the sneaky video girl, is upstairs filming herself copying the comic that she took from downstairs in the cellar, trying to pass it off as Whitney cheating. Absolutely outrageous. While she's doing this, Whitney's downstairs drawing furiously everything that's going on upstairs. This is the point when she starts drawing the picture, Mark, and then the next shot of the picture, she's drawn it really quickly. And yes. it's been filled in like a dot matrix. <laughs> right. She's very good. You know, she's very good. She's high quality work at a, at a quick, fast level. Right, you mock this scene and I, I get what you're coming from, but I do feel like the music and the video equipment and the drawing, it feels like the, the pacing and how it, it portrays how ominous everything is. It really works for me. And I, I also felt like Bing Banana Skin earns a very, very well-deserved love heart. Yeah. So what she does is she draws what's happening. The beast manifests and starts chasing Lisa. Whitney draws a banana skin on the comic and it just ping turns up in real life, which which was really really funny. But better than that is when she reaches for the doorknob and it goes boing. And that's the thing. I think again it was like a comment on comics and how silly they are, but also in a very affectionate way. I thought it was a really cool concept actually. The Hell Beast then smashes her into bits and eats her, gobbles her up, just like in the comic book panels. And in the comic book panels, there's a speech bubble to the beast and it says, Who's next? Whitney, the human printer, then looks at her work, totally spent, Mark, and she falls asleep on her drawing board immediately. So this whole thing is, was a wonderful, wonderful scene, but I think the thing that I loved the most about it was the cute little happy nom face at the end. The cellar yeah. dweller was so happy when he was chowing down on bitchy Amanda. And that earned a love heart just because he just looked so happy. 
<laughs> it did. She has another nightmare where she's asleep at the drawing board, Mark, and she's dreaming of pictures of everyone cut with the, uh, the happy beast gobbling down his uh, bit of Amanda. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. Creepy Phil wakes her up in the, uh, at the drawing board and he says, you really disappoint me. I heard all women sleep in the nude. Well, at least they do in my dreams. Little Monster's looking all over the house, checking for Amanda. She's missing and so is the doorknob. It's missing all morning and I'm worried. I'm really worried. Whitney says, I'm not. I couldn't give a shit. I couldn't give a shit if she was alive or not. Well, to be fair, they don't like each other. That's It's a bit harsh, exactly. but yeah, all right. Yeah, it is a bit harsh, pretty, pretty harsh. Lisa does her performance art now. The uh, Death is Sad performance art piece. Did you enjoy that, Mark? No, it was utterly ludicrous. I think, what the actual fuck? And I do feel that there is an element of contempt towards arty farty types in this there's got to be because that scene was so fucking ludicrous it was yeah during the performance norman the private detective sneaks he sneaks out of the room and goes down into the cellar and then he started rooting around down there he puts his gloves on he's looking at the comic downstairs and he takes it he heads upstairs and i thought he was going to his room but he goes into amanda's room where she had all the the artwork uh, did you notice the MILF of a gun poster on the wall? The war MILF? No. No. There was a picture of a war MILF on the wall. Yeah. Cool. He finds the fake, fake picture mark set up by Amanda and he's like, I got you, Whitney. I know you did this. <laughs> I'm a private eye. He puts on the tape. He watches the tape mark and he sees the beast on the tape at the end of it because that's it. Amanda was filming herself when he manifests, but the beasts appear. The beast appears behind him. He turns round, bosh, knocks his head off. Wonderful, head swipe her into love heart. Of course it did. Knocks his head off and blood splashes out all over the picture of the wall mill. <laughs> Does. Does. And then he chomps him up. Yum 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 yum. Um, he has a bit of Norman. He does. He enjoys him. And again. I'm with him all the way. I, I enjoy my food and I get pleasure from eating. So I, I get the cellar dwellers vibe. Mark, this is when the when the penny drops. It's all in the comic, Mark. The comic that the private detective had. Whitney had foreseen it. Ugh. And then there's a, the, the hell beast has got a speech bubble that says, stop me if you can. Whitney realized stuff is missing. She blames Amanda and goes upstairs to confront her. They open the door, but the beast is gone. Whitney is on to Shady Monster. Whitney knows what's going on. So like, these two don't like each other. They've been, look at this. This is a fake, fake picture. They're gonna, they were gonna do me in. They're gonna tell the, the art people that I've been copying Reanimators comics. At the, I have been doing that, but that's not the point. <laughs> Whitney goes for a walk with Creepy Philip. And he says, I'll tell you my whole life story. I'll tell you what, Philip, you go on your own. I'll see you in 10. That's what I'd have said. Yeah, you can fuck right off. When they come back, Mark, the comic pages appear as if by magic. And Philip sees them and he says, you've outdone yourself. And she says, what are you talking about? He says, your latest masterpiece. He says, I, don't, I didn't draw this. 
I didn't draw this. And she looks at Norman's death scene. She says, I'm serious, Philip. I've never even seen this before. So where is where are the pages coming from, Mark? So, OK, I have gushed over this film for the, the majority of this podcast, but the rules don't make sense. The whole point was that they created the art. They, the art can't create itself. Oh, I don't. I don't care. I don't care. I've changed my mind. I don't care. <laughs> Philip says, well, who did it then? Was it Reanimator's ghost who drew it? Well, I don't know, because they never explain it. They never explain it. She stupidly reads the passage out again, unleashing the beast mark. Meanwhile, upstairs, Lisa's having a shower. She gets out of the shower. There's no t- towel. And she instantly suspects Philip of creeping around in the bathroom. <laughs> Well, to be fair, he is creepy. And also, I mean, I know she's not my type, but that's a cracking rack. It is, mate. It is. Quality. But it wasn't the first, so I didn't point it out. No, but (laughs) it was the best time. It was the best time, yeah. (laughs) Whitney realises what she's done by fiddling around with all these hell books. Hell books! She says, Philip, the curse is real. Don't you see? I drew it. I gave it life. And now Amanda and Norman have been chopped up. They're in the belly of the beast, quite literally. He he ate them like sandwiches. Then we get the classic tap movie move, the old, wait a minute, you mean you're trying to tell me? And then he reflects the whole thing so the audience is clear. (laughs) It's not a particularly complex plot. I don't feel like we needed that. In fact, I would go as far as saying brevity is a strength of this film. There isn't much lore, there isn't much character development, there isn't much sense when it comes to the rules, but I'll be damned if I'm not having the best time. Well, basically, Mark, I came to the conclusion that she's like a cross between Nostradamus and a Duck Matrix printer. Because it turns out the shower scene death is in ink, the whole grizzly scene. It's happening again, Mark, happening again. But she she sees the pages and she says, oh God, Philip, it's Lisa, it's too late. Upstairs, Beastman appears, manifests behind Lisa, the classic, he's behind you, because he's always behind him, rips her to bits and eats her. Om, 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 nom, nom. I know I've already given it a love heart, but I just like it when he eats people, so that's another love heart. Well, in this scene, you get to see him in his full majesty chomping down on a human leg. Yeah, man. Oh, and also, he swallows the eye. He's just having a jolly old time, gorging. And, you know, I can empathise. Did you not give him a love heart for this swallowing an eye, like a pickled onion? Yeah, I'll give him another one. I, I just like him, he's quite cute. The beast can teleport as well, Mark. They make a run for it, but every door they open, he's there to block their escape route. And they're like, he's never going to let us out of here. Philip says, we need to get out of here. This is over for us. (laughs) Whitney says there's only one chance. She surmises that the beast is feeding on creativity itself. Okay. And that they're going to destroy its physical form, i.e. burn the pages of the comic. That's what they're going to do, Mark. But wait. A green magic fog comes out of the comic, and then the beast's arm pulls Philip into the comic like a horrible aha video. 
I was about to mention AHA, and I looked up when the AHA video was. It was 1984, so yeah, Evil AHA. This must have been influenced by that fucking video. Fucking love AHA, Malachi. She goes to see Lily Munster to tell her about the beast situation, but she doesn't listen, Mark. She says, comics and monsters, what a load of poppycock. Then Whitney finds a comic on Mrs. Briggs's desk. <gasps> and she says, do you know what? I've changed my mind about these comics. I've been going through a lot of changes lately. Beast face! <laughs> <laughs> that hurt a love heart. Of course it did. Mrs. Briggs is the beast, Mark. She trans- transforms into full beast mode and grabs Whitney and drags her down to the cellar. Down in the cellar, it's chasing around going like, Whitney, Whitney! <laughs> like but then, Mark, a saviour, an unexpected saviour in this whole nightmare. What do you do if you've made a mistake in ink? You get the Tipex out. Tipex is the fucking solution. What an anticlimax that was. <laughs> Tipex saves the day. She, she covers the comic in Tipex. Right, and I dispute that there's that much Tipex in one little bottle of Tipex. There's a lot of Tipex. <laughs> but yeah, brilliant. But then she's like, oh no, what about Philip? Philip's dead. So what she does, Mark, is she draws him back to life. This really is like fucking aha, isn't it? She draws him and he comes out the comic. Come on. He chains up the beast in the comic and then jumps out the pages. Happily ever after, Mark? Oh, thank God. Philip's alive and the beast is there in the cellar, chained, chained against the wall. So I've just realised something, Malachi. This is basically horror penny crayon. (laughs) It is horror penny crayon, yeah. Fuck's sake. Also, did you notice when Creepy Philip comes back to the real world, he asks for a real kiss off of uh, Whitney, and she she still doesn't give him one. Good. <laughs> yeah, good. She draws everyone back to life, Mark. She draws a lovely scene of them all, like, talking about what crazy adventure they've had. That's, that's uh, it. It's fucking Penny Crayon. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all sat in the living room going, cool. Oh, what, a, what a day, what a day. And then she burns the pictures of the beast in the bin, and then pff, the beast is gone. But hold on, Mark. She's accidentally put all the other pictures in there. She's accidentally drawn the picture of Philip, and he bursts into flames and dies. <laughs> and then everyone, one by one, it turns out she's chucked a whole folder of, of all the people in the house, and they all burst into flames and die. They've only been back like two minutes and she burns them. Yeah. And the film ends with her crying on her own. She just goes, no. But the beast is there as well. He just turns up and he says, you can't get rid of me because wherever there is imagination, I shall dwell. And then it ends. So everybody dies and the hero gets eaten. It was completely ineffectual, the solution on how to kill the monster. Brilliant. <laughs> What I love about some of these tap films, mate, this came in at at a sweet one hour, 17 minutes. (laughs) It was definitely concise. Yeah. 
I mean, is it a silly question for me to ask you if you enjoyed this one, Mark? Mate, the rules made no sense. I don't care. The film was dumb as fuck. I don't care. I had so much fun. Little bit of nostalgia because, you know, I've watched this film a lot. But also, it's just a dumb sit-down, smile-at-the-ridiculousness all of the fucking stars. Excellent. I enjoyed it as well. I hadn't seen this until about a year ago, but I, I really enjoy it because it is just stupid. It makes no sense whatsoever. As soon as it starts getting into something like a plot, it just changes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they just needed some people in a house for a monster to eat. That's what that's what they needed. <laughs> There are a lot of horror films like that, where it's more about the monster than it is about the plot. But I'll be damned if the artwork wasn't fucking beautiful and the concept wasn't a great idea. Did they put that in an articulate way that makes sense? Did they fuck? But I don't care, the art was pretty, the monster was funny, there was gore, and I loved it. Yeah, it was. And this was this one is available, ladies and gentlemen, on the YouTube. Uh, I would recommend that you watch it. You, I think Mark said you can get it on Blu-ray, but you can go watch it on YouTube. But I would get it. I might get this on Blu-ray because uh, I, I want to watch this again. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I will be re-watching this because it was just so much fun. Yeah. Thank you for joining us this week on Super Tap Film Club. We will be back next Tuesday with more fresh hot tat please do not forget to check out our patreon page our instagram page our twitter page you can check out all of mark's other podcasts because he's in millions of other podcasts what are they mark writing the childhood is about kids telly at ritc pod on twitter life's milestones is the one based around my job as a humanist celebrant at life's milestones on twitter Shipwrecked and Comatose is my one about Red Dwarf at Red Dwarf Pod on Twitter. And obviously, I just love some tat. And, you know, I'm always here. Or if I'm not, I'm listening in anyway. Yeah, yeah. And we will be back next week. Please don't forget to listen to our friends, the Laser Graves, the Bad Taste Video, the Neon Brainiacs, the Horror Flicks and Guitar Picks, all of those guys, especially at the moment when you're trapped in the house because it's, it gives you something to do. So please support those guys and support us. Go back and listen to our back catalogue because we've got about 90 episodes now. So if you're bored, go and listen to us talk about something else for a bit. We mentioned Cheerleader Camp earlier on on this podcast. If you want to see all three of us angry at the worst fucking film of horrible, horrible 80s ick, that's a good one to have a listen to. It is, yeah. It was uh, a problematic situation. But yes, join us next week. Take care, and we'll see you on Tuesday.